Welcome to episode 6 of Battleground Guys, a podcast where we play Battlegrounds, live Battlegrounds, eat Battlegrounds, and sleep Battlegrounds. I'm your battle host, Sig, unknown, and with us this week is Adam Battle David. Welcome to episode 6 of Shy Guys. <laughs> the look on your face. That was awful. I'm Zig, I'm your host. With us this week is Adam Davis. Howdy. And we have a special guest, Zach Thulin. Regular guest, Zach Thulin. Regular guest? Yeah. Special guest. Okay, guest. The specialist of guests. Okay. Zach, how's been your week, life, month, year? How, how have you been? Uh, I, I've been all right. I also play video games. Oh, like do you now? You do. I famously did not have much work during Zelda Zelda week, so I took two Zelda weeks and put 120 hours in and didn't get as far as a lot of other people I know <laughs> into 120 hours. Um, but yeah, no, things things are fine. Now I live by you, so we're also technically neighbors, kind of. Yeah, Zach just moved to, to Logan Square. Welcome to the neighborhood. Thanks. How, how's, how's the neighborhood been? uh outside of the drug deal that i saw the first <laughs> night in the back alley uh it's it's been good yeah no i, I like logan square i was ready to move and uh i live a block away from an ice cream place that gives me a flurry with snickers and m&ms in it so can't really complain i was just there like two weeks ago and it was delicious yes so uh what games have you been playing have you been playing games um so a post zelda uh and i'm sure you guys have talked zelda death to I, death i i I really went into a little bit of a like, what am I, what am I gonna play? And uh, work also got really busy, and so I have this fallback game, and that is Heroes of Might and Magic Three, which that's going old, old school a little bit. Uh, I know a lot of people on the internet like to say that uh, that's the best of all of them. Uh, honestly, I've only played one, two, and three, and it's the best of the first three. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, yeah, but I mean, that's just like a, a simulator. I play it like random maps, uh, build a castle, explore, get really powerful, fight computers and neutral monsters. And that's about it. You you have a really weird setup because you play this on a Mac, right? Uh, so I, I have it installed on my Mac and my desktop. So sometimes I play it on my desktop and other times when I'm feeling really lazy, like can't sit up lazy. Uh, that's when I played on my laptop. How would you feel if it was on the Switch? Oh, um, I think I think there's too many controls for that. Uh, I'm not I'm not sure. No, maybe not. Like you're pretty. The the problem is that uh, you, often you're moving far enough distances that like you want to be able to move with a mouse and scroll around the map with a mouse. And so, in my experience, anytime you play a game that's like a semi or like faux RTS, um, I actually don't know what you classify Heroes of Might and Magic Three. Um, Combat is done on a grid system, right? Yeah, and it's turn based. But then there's an overworld that's turn based uh, as well. So it's kind of an RPG, kind of an RTS. I, like it. Is there leveling? It, do you, do your characters level up? Your characters level. So I don't know, but it's like the old school hot seat type of game where, like, if you're playing with a, another friend, you would sit in the seat and control your character and do your entire turn. So it's more like along the civ civilization. Yeah, civilization kind, is what I think. Except for like the resources are 
like totally different in that basically you find mines and like then those give you X amount per per week or sorry, per day. And it's more focused on combat. So right. like there's neutral monsters everywhere that like if you, you have to defeat in order to get access to mines or more resources or artifacts and stuff like that. And you're building cities, right? You're building like a... a I mean, a, so you, you have a castle and uh, you have about seven tiers of, of units that you can produce each with a upgrade. And uh, you basically have to have the resources to build those. So obviously the lowest level is uh, super easy to build. And the higher level ones, you have to like have a lot of resources to build it first and then pay for them. So you, uh, you're building that stuff out to basically produce monsters because those refresh once a week. And then there's like a couple like ancillary or like or secondary uh, structures and fortifications to the castle, so that if somebody attacks you, you have more defenses. I there was a I did I've never played the Hero Might Magic games, but there was a game that came out like five or six years ago for the PC, and it was a, like a spiritual sequel, but it didn't have any base building to it. King's Bounty. Yes, King's Bounty. So King's Bounty is actually, I think it's predecessor of it, uh, oh, in fact. You, you've explained this to me. Explain so, for the listener. Um, well, like way, way back when, I'm pretty sure that it was like on the Amiga, this King's Bounty game or something like that. Uh, but they ported it to Sega Genesis and essentially you're a hero. You start off in a castle. They let you buy it. You have like X amount of gold. You can buy some units and then you're running around and there's neutral monsters and they move around a little bit. You get into battles, but you have to just basically acquire more and more troops and that's it. Um, but like Heroes of Might and Magic is tied to the Might and Magic franchise, which is like one of those first person or ugh, I don't even, I never even played it. Uh, like what? what is it? Dungeons of... What what was that weird like the one game where you kick a lot of guys there's into like, things? No, there's like it's it's first person, uh, but you have four people in your oh dungeons of Drenmore, Dren- or something? Dren- yeah, something, something like, like that. that. Yeah, yeah, I, I remember that. Oh, Dungeons of Dreadmore is like a oh, is that a that, that's that's like an eight bit top down roguelike, yeah, roguelike. But I know what your game you're talking about. Yeah, uh, so that's what Might and Magic is like. This is more of like a, a strategy layer that they added to it. But yeah, King's Bounty is a super good game too, and a, another fun way of playing. But uh, I found that it gets tiresome when you're like basically having to continually go around the map to the places where you buy troops rather than having a centralized location where your castle is, or later in the game when you have multiple castles, um, like you those as your basis i found king's bounty be fucking hard as well i had yep. a really i died a lot and i and eventually i found a, i got to a, i think it was like the second map you're like on a beach and i remember hitting some point where i was just like okay i i don't want to play this anymore because i'm just getting my ass handed to me over and over again this is no longer any fun all, all of those games are about knowing all of the different attacks and defenses of the the creatures you're going up against so you can accurately like see what you as a human player with some spells and stuff can do that the neutral monsters wouldn't be able to overcome mm-hmm. so yeah i don't know it, it's a fun game i play it a lot like civilization it's a really relaxing game to play i often give myself a couple bonuses and like play on an extra large map so that like i may not run into a com- 
computer player for like the first like 30 turns of the game or something like that because like definitely if you're playing random like at some late point in the game the computer player will just get uh insanely powerful they cheat basically not that they cheat it's just that they have because they can accurately judge if they're going to win every battle etc like they will acquire certain things that just make them very powerful and there's a couple like uh spells and stuff that are uh, like ridiculously powerful within the game and i've heard that in tournaments people disable them because otherwise the game is not balanced at all Ah. but yeah so basically i play it as like a way to relax just slowly like accrue like levels like build up your army and explore like a like a a small little world that you don't know anything about is a is this your um is this your like desert island game probably (laughs) yeah no uh like this is the game that like i i come back to all the time just because like i know it so well it's uh like all i need to do is take like a couple month break from it and then i'm like ready to play again i don't think i have a game like that i don't think i ever have i have there's games i love but there's rarely a game i always keep going back i mean do you, you don't have any like like i don't know that i come back to games as often as you may come back to this but i can think of like you know Super Nintendo games things that I, over the years I always come back like Super Metroid is a game I've gone back and I've played probably several, like a dozen or two dozen times over the years. Uh, you know, some of like Final Fantasy VI is one of my favorites. Uh, you know, it's those replayable ones when you want to go back and play a classic game. When I boot up my emulator that I have on my PSP to go back and play Nintendo or Super Nintendo games, it's always some you know some of the classic RPGs and some of those other ones that I go back and play. Um, do you have uh, any games that you play to just like relax, like where you're like, you know what, I have like this hour. I don't want to learn something new. I just want to like like something I'm comfortable with and can kind of like get what I want out of it, like. For for a short period of time and that's it i don't know what i do I, I i always am jumping back and forth but there's never then just this something that is just always my go-to um, wouldn't path of exile be i would say go-to? that's the closest thing i have is i go back to path of exile so often because of that yeah i found i found diablo 3 to be a good version of that as well like something like i have an hour like let's have a drink let's like grind a little bit kill a bunch of shit and then we can take a break it's kind of like what my girlfriend always says. She's just like, I just want to go smash it. Yeah. <laughs> that's why she's just I just want to hit buttons and smash things in the face and they die. And that, that's what, that's why she likes, she'll go play Dragon Age or Skyrim or some of those others. But that, that's why she liked Diablo 3 is like, can I just click on things and they die? And like, all right, cool. It, it is, it's a, it's a great simulator of that. <laughs> click shit and die. And the, the closest thing I have to that has been in the last year, I've played a fuck ton of Picross 3D uh, Round 2. Or it's a game it's true. I, you put a lot of time I'm still playing it almost every day that game so here's the weird thing Nintendo does they, they really front load their difficulty like really front load their difficulty where the first I don't know the first five months of the game I played it was relatively easy and there's a shit ton of puzzles but now I'm at the very end there's um, there's this concept of books and each book has like six to ten puzzles I'm at the last four books each of these puzzles are now taking like 15 to 45 minutes a puzzle uh, and they just take me forever to complete a book and it's oftentimes it'll take me like two or two days or like four trips to complete a puzzle but that's the closest thing I've had recently. Otherwise, I've just jumped from game to game. I think when I was a kid, the uh, THQ AKI, uh, the Aki THQ wrestling games for the N64 were the games that I can continuously kept going back to over and over and over again. And I've actually come back to them here or there, but nothing like nothing like your Heroes of Might and Magic 3. 
So like WCW versus NWO, the yep. WWF. Uh, yeah, yeah. All four, yeah. all four of those. No Mercy, WrestleMania 2000, Revenge, and then World Tour are like one of my favorite games of all time. And it's because I can build my own narrative. I would like build like feuds between characters and then I would make them fight each other. And then, you know, I would play the role of different characters to make the story progress in my mind the way I wanted to. It was really fun. It was actually like having like a E-Fed or something, but that was years ago. So I, 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 you know, I don't have my N64 hooked up anymore, so it's not a thing anymore for me. And do you also create your own narratives with games or remember doing that as a kid? Like with games that don't have like a built-in narrative, like WCW. that's, That's one thing that was never too big on like I, I you know you know backstories and all those things like you know the i know you know I, i've had friends over time who play D and always create all these backstories and stuff like like i was the kind of kid where my stuffed bear when i was a kid was named Bertie. you know like i i my creativity was always in the more of the engineering side like i i was good at building things taking things apart and i loved being creative in that way but when it came to like narratives and things like that that was it was never big for me so I, I never did. I know that's why I've had some problems playing the games where you have all your choices and you want to be good or you want to be evil, like your Mass Effects and stuff like that. Like I end up just kind of playing a general nice guy because I can't stand being a mean asshole. Like I can't make a character, get myself into the character and play that character through very well, necessarily. I've yeah. always found that hard. Like I, I, I have a real hard time like just playing an evil motherfucker in oh. games. It is hard. It is really hard. Uh, like I never can be the bad guy, but Mass Effect... You were the hero regardless, so it wasn't that hard to be not the nice guy. I played a very mixed character, and they would sometimes make the wrong decision, the the bad decision. Sometimes they make the right decision, and it was kind of dependent on like who they're interacting with, what their goal was, and like this character that I built over. The, I never played the third one, but the the first two games, he had his own characteristics that were not me. I wasn't playing me, and it was really fun. It was one of the first few games that I ever really role played a character like that. But usually like i'm i'm thinking i'm com- i'm going to compare it to uh bioware's uh knights of the old republic i was just the goody two shoes always i couldn't do the bad thing cuz i don't want to be evil yeah i just don't like the the choices always were either black or white and i think mass effect was more like oh you're no you're a good guy but they're not black or white choices these are sort of grays and i actually really enjoyed that yeah i i, I guess i don't think that i've ever like built in narratives for things uh that like didn't exist except for like in a civilization it's just kind of like oh let's see who attacks me first so i can hate that computer player but otherwise i think the only time i built in a narrative into the game was like an XCOM like game where you oh you care you create characters and you name them after people you know and then you allow them you allow the fantasy that they take on some kind of middle ground between the person you know that you name them after and also uh like some kind of superhero that eventually dies ah uh i did naming them after your friends you build an attachment to your characters but i don't know if i've ever built characters within that so so one of my, my favorite things was uh early on in in XCOM, i uh i think i got the idea to name them after friends from from like rock paper shotgun or some site like that uh, i don't think i would have done that by and large because i never like rename characters uh i named after my then girlfriend jess and uh Aww. she she was the sniper class 
class because that's what she developed into and she had a, like a panic attack because of the monsters <laughs> and she has some anxiety anxiety stuff like not a big deal but I just thought that it was funny but like in her anxiety she accomplished more than I could do by myself and uh, and then like passed out so uh, there was just like a small moment where I was like because I had named that character just like it added like a bunch of significance and like made it way more special than if my character had just you know had a panic attack and like it was named johnny johnny rocket or whatever <laughs> so uh have, well, outside of uh heroes of Might magic 3 have you been playing anything else or uh, do anything else that's not just games so i did axe throwing uh oh shit how wait wait have you guys wait. thrown some axes before no uh it feels very good like at, at a target not people but there is uh there's two places that open in chicago like one is i forget a bad axe throwing down in west loop and then one was thunderbolt axe throwing in uh like up by irving park in milwaukee um bad axe throwing was books and we had a bachelor party last weekend and uh went to thunderbolt axe throwing up in up up north a little bit and uh it was super fun uh just it was honestly like bowling or darts but i guess it's more like a combination of bowling and darts with an axe because it's basically a target on the wall <laughs> and you're just throwing an axe at that and see who can get like closest to like the bullseye and you can do like a little mini tournament and stuff but like for me I've played dodgeball for a lot of years in my life and I love throwing things and it's cathartic <laughs> and it just feels good so like just throwing an axe as hard as you can at, at a wall is satisfying. Throwing an axe as hard as you can and, like, actually having it mean something, like, and sticking to whatever you were throwing at was, it was a really good feeling. So I've asked people who've thrown knives before, how do you get the sharp part to hit the target? Practice. I actually have throwing knives and we used to practice. We had a dartboard. Back in college when, you know, I, I don't know how it was where you guys went to college, but it was so easy to just basically pick up used furniture for free from people who were throwing it out and stuff like that. So we had all these couches that, you know, were, were trash. So we just put a dartboard on the couch and just th freaking throw across the apartment. It, I mean, it's all just about practice, about practice of, it's just like juggling. It's, it's about, it, it's like, if you think about juggling, you need to be able to do a very predictable and consistent throw. And it's just the same thing there. You're learning and, and it's the weight of each of the phone. You need a one that's well-balanced so you can get a good spin and a very predictable spin. Mm -hmm. Because then once you know that knife, you can, it, it's just getting the right number of rotations. You don't even, it's like, you don't need to count them. It's like, that. it's just, it's, mu it's, mu it's, muscle it's, memory. it's muscle memory, but it's, you, you start to get a feeling for it of being able to just throw and you know, then you have, you be able to judge your distances and stuff like that. But it so distance is what I was going to bring up because, you know, when we we're doing this, there was one set distance because there was a line in the board. And I really wish there was like a, a long range axe throw because obviously that'd be really different. But this is based off of apparently like the axe throwing they do in Canada where they have axe throwing leagues. Well, I don't know, like that sounds fun. So if I was in a community that did that, I would totally be all over it. Wait, dodgeball or axe throwing? What would you rather do? Uh, I I would do both ideally. Because okay. one what you about can throw at people. Axe dodging. Axe dodging. So I thought about that and uh, I realized that was a bad decision. I wouldn't want to play that game because you fuck up once and you if fuck up forever. If you can dodge forever. a wrench, you can dodge an axe. Exactly. That's mm, all you got to do. Okay. 
Um, <laughs> but so so that was something that we ran into is like I was wondering like what would happen if I threw this axe further and like then I, I would probably be shit at it. But like uh, the goal with this is you get one rotation of the axe, and so that's a very easy thing to like to focus on and be like, what am I doing that is making it over rotate? And most of it has to do with your wrist. Got it. You're usually doing too much with your wrist. Because you're not just trying to like spin as fast as you can because right. that's not what's doing anything for you. Yeah. And, and you're also not trying to throw as hard as you can, which was my problem because like that's just how I am. I just want to throw as hard as possible at the wall. But I eventually learned to throw as hard as possible and get one rotation. And that was like a merging of all of the experiences that I wanted. So who was the best axe thrower? Were uh, you the best? I was second best. Uh, one of our one of our friends from California, uh, he just he got it down. And like, so we did like we did the 16 person tournament, like I made it to the finals, like and you know like we're all in not making like super high scores or anything and then like i was watching that guy dan finish his uh match before he faced me and he got three bullseyes in a row and i was like that's not okay that's <laughs> that's too much You're like too good like i was i was consistently getting it like on the board uh like actually getting a point um but he yeah so he he beat me pretty solidly and I was fine with that, but there was, there was a small part of me that was like, oh shit, like I got scared by how good he was and I, maybe I could have put up a better fight, but you know, this is hindsight and I'm, I'm going to go back though, because like I'm a strong believer in, in workout experiences and like, that's the type of workout experience that like, honestly, it took me three days to recover from throwing. Holy shit. Cause I, I threw about a hundred, a hundred times or something wow. like that. Cause it just felt so good. And then, uh, towards the end, they're also like, Oh, there's two other ways of throwing. I'm like, what are they? And they're like, one is underhanded. And I tried that and I was terrible at it. And it, it was just really hard to get the right rotation with that and he's like yeah and then also some people throw two axes at once and i was like okay uh and i got two axes and then i i must have thrown them together about uh 35 40 times and it just it, it i mean it was just such a like fun viking experience uh and like that first time that i got both axes to land and like stick i was like oh my god <laughs> like yeah i could I could kill someone in a war. <laughs> uh, did did your dodgeball experience help? Um, maybe. Uh, they were telling me I was actually throwing wrong because they were they were saying that you were supposed to like keep a pretty straight arm, like not bend the elbow, not bend the wrist, but. I did that at first and it felt super unnatural and then I like went with more of something I do with dodgeball and and then it clicks for me. Cool. Mm -hmm. And anything else? I don't, I don't know. I don't I don't have that interesting of life. I'm sorry. <laughs> Well, Adam, what have you been up to? I have mostly been playing a lot of Battlegrounds, as you all well know. Yeah, why don't why don't you guys talk about this, this Battlegrounds love? Zig has been trying to uh, convert me to the Church of Battlegrounds. It is the best game. It is the most intense and emotionally satisfying multiplayer game I've ever played in my whole life. I don't know if I would go that far, but it's it's really satisfying. Like the the amount of heart pumping and just the. Uh, the it's playing like short games like you will would Battlefield or any of those, but you, Very Battlefield you feel similar. like there's actually something on the line every game because each game is self-contained and when you lose, you're out. 
or you die. Yeah, you only have it feels very, so you've got something on the line every time, but it's all the, so it, it really satisfies that your heart gets pumping. Like when you get down to the end and there's, it's just so, we need better ways of describing just how satisfying it is. So, I mean, tell me how it isn't somebody played what, uh, Daisy or whatever. And, or was there I mean, Wait, those Daisy wasn't... or Rust or any of those, like those are much longer games. You put hours to build into those usually. Right, because they basically are like, let's let's make this into an arena version of a survival game. Pretty much. It's it's, it's uh, a battle arena. When you, I don't think arena <laughs> is the right... You are on a giant island. So it's very much like playing DayZ where you start with nothing, but there are no zombies and there's only 100 people or only, that's a lot of people. Um, but And the game constricts you over time, so it forces everyone. It's the movie what, Battle Royale. What's the, what's the time frame for 30 the... minutes a game, max. Okay. If you're the last person alive, or the last two, maybe it might be like 32 minutes. And if you die early, you just jump out of the game. You bo- We've you had to games where we're dead within three minutes. Yeah, yeah. so the, there's a low, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? There's like a... Uh, a low attachment to any individual game but once you're alive for more than 10 minutes you've now spent 10 minutes looting up and you want to do well so you want to live you don't want to die and because the map is so large even as it gets smaller because of this like uh barrier that comes in you'd never know when anyone is at so it feels like you're really like on this island trying to survive and you're, you're worried listening. about running through open fields like yeah. shit if i run through that open field everyone's gonna see me and sometimes you'll run through it nothing will happen sometimes you'll run through it and then you're just you're and then you'll just fucking yeah. die and, and combat's very short. Did you guys play Daisy or yeah. Rust or any of those? Um, I, I played, played Daisy Rust. back, I think, when it was like beta. I, it was a long time ago. I haven't played. I played Daisy and Rust. Rust, I also played back in beta. I own Rust, so I technically. So, what play was your game. attachment, or how did you play those games? Because, like, I I see Battlegrounds as pretty much a like like shit. Nobody has time for that anymore. Like every every single time that somebody has made like a a more of a concise chunk of a game uh, than in in the past. In terms of iterating upon it, uh, I feel like it's become pretty successful. Like Portal was one of those games that's like it was pretty bite-sized and it's easy to stop because it's like clearly sectioned. Yep. And so like they've done the equivalent with a DayZ thing where they're like, how like w- let's portion this out. So yeah. So how how did you? And there's feel a little about PVE going on DayZ because you have to survive against your environment here. Here you're surviving against other players and your own stupidity because right. you can and will get yourself killed by doing stupid shit sometimes, like driving a car into a tree. I get the references to these like survival games but to me as a person that hasn't played much of those it feels more akin to battlefield or counter-strike except for the matches are longer and so you're invested it's like counter-strike but you're invested in an individual match more because they're not three minutes long yeah and because you have to scrounge for gear you have to work for it in a way uh it makes the gear feel like you have a you have a bigger uh, commitment to your gear or you have a bigger (laughs) attachment to your gear uh, so you don't want to lose it. You don't want to die because you're like, oh, I have a, this awesome helmet and this awesome body armor. I may never have this combo, at least for a while. I want to stay alive. So so it's kind of like a, uh, instead of in Call of Duty, Battlefield, all of that, where all of the leveling happens outside the game. Uh, like they just rebaked it back into the game. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm like, it looks fine to me, but like, and like, I, I, like the whole Battle Royale thing sounds 
like nice. I don't know. When I was looking at it, it just looked kind of like Grand Theft Auto. What, like, what brings of- us back to it is the experiences we have along, of like just the crazy fights we've had, the crazy experiences, yeah. and especially the times that we've overcome. Like the amount of times where we've said like, that was fucking crazy. That was so awesome. One of my Our favorite. car battle. The, the car battle is by far the best thing we've done. So me and Adam, so it's, there's three modes in the game. There's solo, which is 100 people land on 100 people roughly depending it maxes out at 100 100 people land on an island everyone is you know you're working for yourself you want to kill everyone that's around you you just want to be the last person alive there's duos which is uh teams of two and then squad which is team of four or up to four when it's duo it changes the dynamics a little bit because you can be tactical and you can have people like i could start shooting at an enemy grab their attention adam can walk around and flank them and attack them from the side um but he can also do cool things like you know you pick up a car and you're driving across the map maybe you catch up with somebody in a car and you have a in you know you have a car to car firefight that may end up stopped in the middle of the street and you're then shooting at targets as they're hiding behind their car you're hiding behind yours and it feels like something out of a movie the closest you'll ever get because you never get these kind of you never get this kind of combat in the battlefield battlefield games have vehicles but people just don't give a fuck about staying alive because like oh i die i'm gonna spawn back in 15 seconds so whatever i'll do something stupid you're a little bit more committed to to what you're doing because if you spend 20 minutes in the game you don't want to die so maybe you may not jump out of that car you might want to weave or try to lose the person your um, commitment is different so I, I mean i'm sorry to be all, all negative about this but like it sounds like you're just describing the golden age of every video game which is pretty early on in let's say it's a franchise when people are still invested in it like i i can't even remember in call of duty modern warfare 4 like there were tons of emergent moments like only because people were like still new you're still discovering things mm-hmm. about it like this sounds like a great game but i'm trying to understand like do you guys it's feel more like of the- a sandbox than a game like call of duty or battle even the closest equivalent is battlefield i think because it's a shooter game where you're on a big space there's vehicles and there's weapons what, yeah. what about grand theft auto like did you guys guys play any of the like i've played many of them you know when you're driving around in grand theft auto there's tons of other cars there's like there's ambience like this island other than the people who are dropped off of this plane is dead there there are cars that you can find and the buildings are empty you can go in every single building and there's little there's several there's like probably about a dozen towns spread out throughout this whole large map and every single time so you have this very very large map like crossing the whole map even in a car would probably take you like 10 minutes the plane picks a random flight straight across every time. And so you have access to different parts of the map depending on where you're, and you, when you jump out, you're in parachute, you can actually travel a decent distance. So every time we play, we're like, we're picking somewhere different to land. Yeah, it's a new experience every time. And there's lots of different, play. I mean, there's, so it, it, yeah, it makes it a very new different, uh, different experience every single time. Cause maybe you'll land somewhere and you're all by yourself. So you can loot up and then go off and searching of where you need, you know, of something. Sometimes we'll land and we'll, there will be 15 other people in the little area we're in. Is, are, are the maps the same or are they randomly generated right now there's only one map it is a static map but it's very large it's probably like 10 kilometers by 10 kilometers and they are planning to add they've they have announced that they want to add several other you know maps so you the plane's path is different every time so you, you're probably going to land in different places i mean the center of the map is going to get the most amount of play time from you just because the plane's going to you know cross the center of the map in some way more likely than not but because the, the the map constricts in different ways, you end up in different parts of the map. And because it, you know, it might constrict in the same area, but slightly different. The coverage that you have there, the trees, the rocks, the hills is, is different. So you have to approach it in a different way. It's like every game is unique in some way. 
there's more variety coming out of a of ba- of a game of Battleground than you would get of Battlefield because Battlefield is a smaller scope. It is focused more. This game doesn't have that focus. The only focus is stay alive and be within that circle. Have you guys played Arma or like any of those like the not more online? Sh- I I really liked uh, Operation Flashpoint. I played a crap ton of that. There's some similarities, but it's different when you're playing against. I never played Arma online. This isn't isn't as uh, simulation like. There is a balance between simulation and art, like an arcadey experience. It's m- closer to Counter Strike than it is uh, um, Arma Three or Arma Two. You have stances, you can go prone, or, and there's recoil, and there's weapon uh, bullet drop, and there's bullet velocity. But at the same time, you can take a couple hits before you die. You don't necessarily you like the looking down iron sights. It's not that hard to shoot. It's very much like Battlefield. If you play Battlefield recently, it goes down the similar path as far as how realistic it's trying to be okay yeah no i'm just trying to get a sense of like where it lies in the cross section of all of these games it uh like i mean all that sounds fun to me but like uh, there's an organizational aspect to it that is like uh, a tiny barrier to entry but it's like just enough to like because i mean you guys have been playing in the, the squad format right mostly yeah have Most you of my played hours. much of the the solo oh yeah Especially at first when it was just Zig and I. We didn't know anybody else who played, so if either of us wasn't on, we were playing solo. Now I have enough people on my <laughs> yeah, friends there's list. There's usually someone I've on. been really trying to sell this game on people because I think it's a very unique experience. I've never played... Battle Royale is now its own genre of multiplayer games where there's there's uh, H1Z1, King of the Kill, there's Courage or something. It was a game that was just free to, had a free-to-play week on Steam like a week ago. Um, similar concept where people are placed on a map, you know, somewhat randomly, and you have to pick up weapons in the environment and try to be the last one alive. But I thought H1Z1 was mostly a clone of DayZ. So <clears throat> H1Z1 there... was a clone, and that game is called H1Z1 Survive, which is, yeah, you spawn in and there's zombies and you're trying to live. There was a mod that came out for Arma 3 by a modder called Player Unknown. Um, which was basically Battle Royale. I think it was called Battle Royale. It was Battle Royale, Royale mod. He got um, brought in to the team with H1Z1, and they built this side game called King of the Kill. And eventually, what was going to be one product with two modes became two separate products. He then left that team and now is working with Blue... Blue Hole. Blue Hole. I was going to say Blue Point, which is a developer as well. Blue Hole, and they're creating this game again. So this is like his third or fourth iteration on the Battle Royale idea. Because I think okay. he did an Arma 2 mod, Arma 3 mod, King of the Kill, and now it's... So he's, player ha- he's also Battle. had a lot of chances to learn yeah. the ins and outs and problems that he's had. And he's very active in the development. They're, they've been putting out patches every couple weeks, and they've been very active in talking to people about and getting feedback on... The game. Yeah. For, Did you guys play any of like the stuff like Mountain Blade back in the day? Never online, but I have played Mountain Blade. Okay. I, I'm just yeah, still just trying to see where this lies because it like it seems like a, an adaptation of like multiple different types yeah. of, of of game modes. So. I mean, it really is the movie Battle Royale in a video game. That is truly its inspiration. That's why the name. It was a Battle Royale mod. That's where that comes from. In some way, yeah, it borrows from a lot of different things. It borrows from online open world games. It borrows from Counter-Strike. It borrows from these survival games. I don't, I've never played um, Ark Survive. Is that the Ark Survive? Yeah, I think that's more like Rust where you like build up. Yeah, and it's a long-term yeah. commitment versus a short-term commitment. Mm-hmm. 
to me, I think the high, the best thing about those games is when you're down to like the last 10 or 15 people and you get in these firefights, I can feel my heart rate increase yeah. to some, like it's probably 160 beats per minute at some point. Like it's going to do, 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 and I feel it. I always have to wear a hoodie when I play the game because if I don't, my extremities get cold because I, I you're like, stressed. Yeah. Yeah. I get so stressed out and, and, um, um, you get fight or flight, fight, fight or flight. Yeah. So all my blood rushes in the center of my body. When, when I get, if, if a game can get that out of me, it's it, and when you do well it feels great so there's a lot of things it's it's that it's some of the stories that have come out i think adam should talk about what happened this past week but he's had two had games yeah. where he well go ahead adam. i mean we we had we were both times we were doing four man yeah we? it was a, we were doing squad we, were, we had a four man squad for whatever uh, the, the first one was a little more memorable in how the squad you know we we'd started off in this set of apartment buildings looted up as we were just about to roll out, one of our guys just runs into one of the last buildings. We thought we'd be there alone. Guy waiting inside just blasts him and kills him. And so the circle's starting to close and it's going to pass me you as know, this wall that will start killing you is going to pass through the building. So we're sitting there hoping we can kill this guy in this building. And eventually we end up giving up. Um, Zig, how did you die? I don't remember. I don't it doesn't matter. It his, doesn't his matter death how was somewhat irrelevant. So we start running away. And so me and one of the other guys get away. We're running up into the hills. And there's other people running, and so they start opening fire on us. And these are other possibly four-man squads. So we're up against some bad odds. And we're running along, and we just find a car just sitting on the hill. We're like, fuck yeah. So we jump in the car. We start trying to tear off, and somebody nails my passenger right in the head, knocks him out. And I keep driving because I'm going to die otherwise. And then the car runs out of gas about 30 seconds later. And I get run out. And so now at this point, I am all alone. They've killed every other member. <laughs> They've killed every other member of, uh, of the team. And so I just keep running. I run through some open fields. And I manage to make, my, make it to the, the next circle alive. Yeah, the which, circle keeps getting smaller. Right. He's like, the game, um, there's a blue barrier, which is where the barrier is at. And the game that indicates a, a white circle where the wall is going to be. So Adam knew that the wall is going to move. So and he's outside into this white circle before the wall actually at one point I, at this point i think the wall passed me and so i'm running as fast as i can i put my weapon away i'm running as fast as i can does, i've chugged some energy works. drinks to try and give myself some health regen and stuff and i managed to get past that wall with like a very small fraction of health pops myself down into a little bush heal up a little bit and now i have to go you know i'm all by myself against all these squads and so i just start heading towards the center of the circle and I managed to evade everyone. And at some point, we just, I just decide, hey, this is a little good place. Let's just hunker down for a little bit. So I just lay down next to a tree. And the circle keeps getting smaller. And it keeps centering almost exactly around where I am. When you lay down, there's like 22 people, 25 people left alive. There was over 30, I think. I mean, it, it, yeah. it was quite a few left. And so I lay down. And this has, you know, there's grass and everything. So when you lay down, you actually can be very hard to see. Like, I was in yeah. the shadow of the tree. I'm in the grass. So I could be hard to see. And I just keep laying there. And I'm hearing gunfire from all around us. I even at times, I'm seeing people. I'm seeing people having firefights in front of me on the hill. And I just keep waiting. And because at this point, we're just like, well, if I just keep waiting, I'm going to keep getting higher in the ranking. And everyone yeah. in voice chat's like adam don't move don't move you you can actually hold alt down and then look around you kind of do a, a free look and so we're just looking around and they see only exactly what i see mm -hmm. so i'm looking around we're all looking around just watching everything and it just keeps ticking down and it keeps ticking down until the it, the circle finally shrinks and i'm not in the circle and i'm one of three people left <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, there's a guy in front of me the, we know we saw the other guy kind of up the hill up ahead of me but we can't see him but there's a guy in front of me staring up at that other guy trying to kill him so i pop him off 
he manages to hit me, knock me down. Just after I kill him, I get up to run. The circle passes me and kills me. Like, oh gosh! Yeah, you, just, you took just <laughs> enough damage. I did. I he got me down to like a fairly small fraction, and it does enough damage at that zone. I could not run it. And oh so man! So the other guy, the other guy was down to the third three people, and he just we killed each other yeah, and gave it to him. And then last night, it have kind of happened to similar again. We we were all being trying to be very good squads, watching all directions. And at one point, I'm over scouting, laying down in a tree, scouting this area where we know the circle shrinking to zig is off just trying to snipe people when yeah, somebody was, takes Z, he was he was kind of out in the open a little bit i, too was, much. Not, I was actually in a house in like a little uh, house i was an idiot i totally he, fucked he, he was up. he was letting everybody know where he was and somebody took zig out and then our other two guys were nearby and they were trying to you know come in on us but then they got hit by a squad leaving me all by myself next to this tree. And the same freaking thing happens where it just keeps shrinking down and shrinking down and we're down, to, nobody sees me. I'm crawling around the ground from tree to tree and it gets down to three people and I take the one guy out and then the other guy kills me and I get second again. Oh, yeah. In the exact <laughs> same way. It was Oh, I mean, there's all these different ways to play because like we do this because, you know, we're up against all these squads and so I don't want to just go run into a squad and suicide because you can't, you know, it's like, oh, three, all three members of my squad side, I don't want them to wait, so I'm going to go just suicide. And we do that sometimes with like, oh, two of us have died, it's pretty yeah. early, so fuck it, we're going to just be like running right into cities and trying to kill as many people as we can and we'll probably get taken out, then we can do the next game. I think the last one was great because we were, because you were in a place where he had good view of the whole area, the whole That's why I was there, I was scouting, I could see the hills and, and like, yeah. This, people shoot each yeah. other like you're scouting what was die. going on but while i was there they got taken out from behind me uh on the other side of a small hill uh, it's we've had so many different fun experiences yeah. of just being in the middle of a, a rundown city and then managing to hunt down people and flank them and just take them out uh, it's Listening there's so really many important. different ways to play and your tactics will fuck you over in different ways. Like sometimes it's the right tactics and sometimes it's the wrong tactic. We, we have had so many bad tactics plays. Yeah. We're just like, afterwards we're like, wow, that was really stupid. Why did we do that? Yeah. Sometimes it's your skill that felt, you're like, I just wanted to shoot that guy somehow. I God, the number of times I'm like, why did you die? Well, because I can't hit the broadside of a barn. I've had the same problem. I have problems <laughs> where I, I have a problem where I'm just Well, if you get stupid. so nervous. Oh my God, oh. so nervous. It's that, it's those highs that feel so good. I mean, when going into it, when Zig was talking about it, like I wasn't so on it he was talking about it and i was like you know he it sounded interesting but i wanted experience with zig and so and i just went through a fuck it moment all right i'm gonna purchase this it was a couple i mean a couple games in and i was hooked it was it, it it was hard for him to describe it to me in a way that really did hook me but once you play it it is just it clicks it's so fun and it's because you have it's like any other game where you get to play those shorter matches and you can just yeah you can pick it up for an hour at a time and just put in a couple matches and have a great time any individually any of those mechanics sound fun but the way it just comes together it just has something about it it is special it is special in a way that very few multiplayer games have been special to me you have to play it basically that's the only <laughs> way like you you either you watch people play it but that doesn't even get it's not the same because you still don't have that investment but playing it is where it's at yeah no i mean i'm probably going to get it at some point we'll, we'll see if you guys are still playing i'm don't know how. As long as I have people to play with, I will yeah. continue playing this game because Maybe. doing the squad well, solo stuff is, is so much very. Fun. It feels very different. It's um, way yeah. more stressful. Yeah, it's way, it's way more stressful. And the number of times I've had solo, like depending on where you start, like I, I've had plenty of solo games where it's like I don't see anyone for twenty, just because I I put myself somewhere where nobody else is, and then I'm running in and I just happen not to see anyone, and so not seeing anyone for twenty minutes only to then just hear that and yeah. get die. We've in the had a couple of, of squad matches. Like, God damn it. 
Oh, and uh, something we haven't mentioned is when you're in a squad, like, you don't die instantly. You get knocked down. So if your squad mate can get to you before somebody does enough more damage to you, they can get you back up. So when you're doing solo, obviously, you get you get down, you're out. But in squad, there's opportunity to save people, um, which is why you also know if you knock someone down and they get, you know, they crawl back, you can crawl. And they crawl back behind the building. You're like, fuck. Well, now they're gonna get back up, in you know, and you know, back up to fighting. It's yeah, just amazing. Ah. So outside of battlegrounds, Adam, have you have you played anything recently? Oh well, I have started playing Mario Kart. <laughs> Woo! Tell me about <laughs> uh, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Yes, for the uh, Nintendo Switch. It's it's very much like any of the other Mario Karts. I haven't played Mario Kart 8. I I don't own a Wii U. Um, so I probably the last Mario Kart I played, I believe, was on the Wii, whatever version that was. Six or seven, probably. Maybe. Double Dash? No, that's no. That's I never Game Game GameCube. <laughs> I never played Double Dash. Um, you know, I I like myself some Mario Kart, and it's got much of the same feel. I I played online, and online was hard. I got my ass kicked a lot. But there's so many maps, which is kind of nice. I mean, if you're the kind of person who wants to know every map in and out, maybe that's a little bit more of a pain. But the, I've been playing it, you know, I've probably already put in about three or four hours. And I've only a couple times, like, remember playing the same map multiple times. So there's, ton, I think, I want to say there's like, oh, good Lord, there's like there's like 30 or 40 maps at least. Yeah, because they yeah. have all the game, all the maps from the base game, plus the DLC maps, well, plus some maps. The, there's tons of maps from all the other games that were previous to it. Like, it, it'll label them as like, this is the Nintendo 64 map and this is like oh which and so my only only real mario game ever mario kart game ever played was for the n64 mario kart 64 which maps from mario kart 64 are there i don't remember i just remember seeing the little mocker when you play multiplayer online like you will get to pick between three maps and then random and everybody picks something and then it just picks a random person to pick as the person who gets to who chose it and so i saw some i don't remember what they were but we never played them okay yeah we i played for like 10 minutes with you but it was kind of cool we played on each we want each of us had our own joy half or our own joy con so half the controller i guess yeah and that was both of us our first experience of playing with uh, like the mini nes style kind of controller when you're playing yeah wait how did did that go Eh. Eh. it's it's a little uncomfortable because the two different joy cons aren't even the same they're like one of them the thumbsticks further over like one of them's like and so they're not even the same and it wasn't like i was having a hard time like holding buttons down and having a good grip on it it wasn't the most comfortable thing in the world it was also our first experience of playing like you know split screen on that yeah. little screen which was yeah, okay it's, it's a small screen from far away if to be really close i mean as i say as it, i could see it being kind of cool it's like hey you're in the middle of you know a picnic or something and you just want to play where you have access to nothing else yeah but like while we were sitting out there just on his deck it's like well shit shouldn't we just go downstairs and play on the big tv yeah, <laughs> where you was, can see like, everything? yeah i absolutely um, feel the same way i also had the worst i had the worst of the two joy cons mine had the stick in the middle instead of on the left hand yeah. side i feel like i rather have the buttons in the middle and the stick on the left hand side but whatever yeah I, I would probably feel the same i mean i think that's pretty normal like most people are used to that that movement being on the left hand thumb yep. yeah so that was yeah it was fun i mean i could see it be fun obviously if you want to play three or four players you probably shouldn't i, I can't imagine having four person split screen on that screen you want to i don't think yeah you might not be, be able to TV. yeah like you could do it but you would barely be seeing what the hell's going on but it was fun, and I'm gonna be obviously. I will play more of it. It's just, it's just like a fun little distraction game. I I think for me it ends up being it's just like a little bit of fun, but it's kind of filler. Yeah. Because I think at this point we're all, we're all pretty done with Zelda. I, I, I'm not I, done. Well, I, I just it, Battlegrounds it, has eaten all my time. That, yeah. That's true. Battlegrounds. If I'm not doing anything, I want to be playing Battlegrounds as opposed yeah. to Zelda. But I you know I God I have like twelve 
shrines left to get and it's like very near the end of the game so though i i I am looking forward to the dlc which will be let's talk about that in a second okay so going to your previous question your previous statement right now the two big games on the switch aren't switch games they're they're wii u games the zelda game is a wii u game Mario Kart is a Wii U game. All three of us are Switch owners. How do you guys feel about the fact that the two biggest games on the system right now are ports from a previous generation console? It was the same thing with the Wii. The Wii did yeah. it with the GameCube. It was like the, the first, like I think the first Zelda game that launched with the Wii. Yeah, it was, it was on the GameCube too. Um, that's kind of Nintendo's thing. It's just because they're, they're not pushing the hardware to its max because they know there's still people with the old consoles that want all this new content. Do you feel like you're... Are you kind of disappointed because there's no unique content coming out for the Switch? I, I mean, I don't know that the Switch hardware is that much better than the Wii U hardware. Is know. it? I don't honestly know. I, uh, like, it is. It is better. Like, I mean, are we talking like the the ten percent better? Or are we it's talking probably like thirty like, percent better? Yeah. It's, it, it seems like the, uh, from a resolution perspective, when you look at games that come out on both. So, um, uh, Mario Kart was a 720p game on the Switch on the Wii U. It's a 1080p game on the Switch. Uh, Zelda was a 720p game. It's a 900p game on the Switch, so it is better. Yeah, it's not. It's not generationally better, like right. Xbox That's, 360 to Xbox One or something. I mean, I, I didn't. I didn't think of the Switch as a full generation jump, and so I think that's the difference. Is mm-hmm. like I mean, Nintendo does a lot of half steps, so yeah. this isn't like their their ten year refresh that uh, that we're getting with like Xbox and PlayStation. So it's it's fine. Like they don't have a lot of games. Like I bought the Switch for Zelda. Like uh, there has never been a a console seller as good as zelda in my eyes like maybe halo was that as well because halo i don't think it was halo was as good as zelda is as a game at at the time right but i mean halo became like console i I would say well i mean for its time mario 64 was a hell of a oh it was a killer app yeah no i mean that that's another great example so i'm just i don't need it to be the best thing ever but if they like uh, make any other game even 80% as good as Zelda this year, like, I would be happy. Yeah, so I, I asked that question. I have absolutely no issues with the fact that the two biggest games Nintendo has released on the Switch are ports. I Actually, I want them to port all the shit they released on the Wii U to, to the Switch. I want to play Wind Waker. I want their Wind Waker HD re-released on that. I want to play Super Mario World 3D Land or whatever the one game is with the cat suits. I really wanted to play that game. I like the, the predecessor to that on the 3DS. I want to play that on the, on the Switch because I never had a Wii U. So if they're continuing to do this, I'm fine because these are games I missed. It's a system that didn't sell very well. I think a lot of people miss these games. But I figured I'd ask because it's a legit question. Like you're not getting new, you're not getting anything new. You're getting old shit. You're getting a game from 2014 coming out on this thing. And it's, I mean, it's selling. I think the biggest, the biggest talking point here is this game is the best selling uh, Mario Kart game ever for Nintendo. Ever. It beat the Wii and the Wii had a massive user yeah. base. Wow. And this I is a game that came that. out three That's years incredible. ago. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's in line with what you'd expect for timelines for people buying consoles at this point. I feel like the Wii U was pretty fast and didn't have... I mean, I, this is... I'm, I don't know timelines at this point, but uh, the Wii U seemed to came, come out just a couple of years after the Wii. Was it like five years or...? No, it was a while. So a Wii came out in 20, 2007. This came out 2013. Oh, wow. The Wii U had a long shelf life. Yeah, all I 
know is that when the Wii U came out, like that, it just looks like garbage. So the name was it was a bad name. People, yeah. conf- I question two. What the or you know question for you guys is how do you feel about Nintendo's naming convention for their hardware? So <clears throat> we have the Wii, we have the Wii U. I mean, I know that's a meme on the internet, like the the two D, the two D S, two D X. But this is a real question. Like it's confusing for consumers to know what. So you have the the three D S. You have the DS, the 3DS, the DS had, the, so the DS had the DS, the DSi, the DS Lite. You had the 3DS, the 3DS XL, the 3DS, new 3DS, the new 3DS XL. The there's the, the 2DS, yeah. the 2DS like, oh, there's the 3DS XL. And there's the new Nintendo 3DS. Yeah, like that, that being literally a part of the official part of the name, that was frustrating. Yeah. Trying to find them online and making sure you're getting the right one. Yeah. Ah. I mean, I will agree that it's one annoying and two, they had too many versions of the DS where I feel like this is in the Game Boy where this is actually a problem. Coming from like having to choose CPUs and GPUs, like Your, their naming convention is better. like easy as cake. <laughs> but, like, but you're an educated consumer. Most people that are buying, like your grandma buys you a Nintendo system when you're a kid and she might get you the one you don't want because she doesn't know. Her To her, a DS is the same thing as the 3ds except it's you know two hundred dollars i think that would happen regardless of the naming convention i yeah, think they, that they've done that with the super nintendo the nintendo like this is a, they've done this for a long time yeah i'm i'm gonna say that it's it's more of i mean the people who are gonna have problems with it we're gonna have problems with it wait so really quick what if they called the n64 the ultra nintendo I think I probably would have been fine with that. I would have to, loved that name. To me, it's like, uh, it's a pretty clear progression. Like, I don't think I would have noticed this until it was like they started doing the DS, 2DS, 3DS, new 2DS, new 3DS, that kind of stuff. Yeah, but right. like, Nintendo to Super Nintendo, like, it's a pretty yeah. clear, like, yeah. statement of what's different. It's, it's true. And it was the 3D, the Super Nintendo, as it got different revisions, its name didn't change. Actually, I don't know. What do you mean? I mean, maybe it didn't. There was the Japan? small Nintendo, and there was oh. a small Super Nintendo, but I don't know if they were called. But I something mean, the else. small Nintendo was released a long time after. Yeah. Like, way after. Yeah, I don't know if they had a new I name. Mean, or wasn't, it was like Nintendo 64 or later. When no, 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 no. It came out, I think it came out like. 1995 or something i think came out before the n64 i think so yeah i mean the culture there i mean and what they produce like i've heard that japan is much more of a console country in terms of like not as many people have um desktops and like i've heard the same about china and korea i could be wrong about that but like well korea is big into pc games yeah but they i i feel i feel like a lot of people still go to like oh pc bangs yeah Yeah. that type of they might not own it they play pc games but they don't own a PC. Right. I think it's much less common to own in that way. So the thing you just... Uh, so the Zelda DLC. Do you want? Do you guys want to really quickly go down the feature no. set? One thing, the first thing that popped out when I read through that list, the thing that actually made me the happiest in looking at was when they said they were going to give you a tracking of 500 hours. 200 hours. Or 200 hours of your movement on the map so you could see where you'd... Heroes been. Path Mode. 
See, I think I would have been like interested if they had that from the start. Like, I, I, I'm not. Well, getting... are you sure they're not going to have? Already... I doubt it. Yeah, it sounded like there was some wording in there that made it sound like when you start a new game or after you've beaten uh, the game. That is this new map feature shows the path Link has walked through Hyrule from the last 200 hours of gameplay. Use the time tracker bar to see where you spent the most time, where you have yet to explore. There's bound to be more adventures and maybe a shrine or two on the road less traveled. I mean, it'd be great if they did that but that would have had to have taken some yeah. foresight to track that data yeah, yeah i don't think they did um which is unfortunate because i would love to see now because like especially at the point in the game when you when you're down to the last like 30 or less shrines you I need to know where have i not been yeah you said you have 12 shrines left i have a 30 and i'm like i i don't know and like i started <laughs> running around a little bit and like flying around and i'm like i don't like I don't care, but like I also care a lot. Like I need to, I need to get all these shrines before I beat Ganon. So you might want to cut your losses and just beat Ganon. I'm just gonna. It's either that or you just get a guide or like look up a guide and or look up a map. map. Yeah. I mean, probably I will, but it, like it's it's one of those things. I'm just waiting. Like I'll probably come back to the game in like give me a couple more weeks when the DLC comes out or when DLC two comes out, perhaps. Maybe at that point it might be fun. I might just like replay the game on hard mode because that's true that's a good that's a good reason to I, yeah. I hope i hope they have some kind of scaling thing because like the the most memorable parts of the game are the first 40 hours i would say when it's still hard when you're still well, like when it's still hard and like you're discovering all of the new stuff i'll be interested to see playing that game without like the bonus of discovery like if it Is actually it... makes it worse i think it will yeah. i think the the part of like, oh, I went over this hill and there's this like beautiful majestic view or I found a shrine. Like that's so rewarding. Without that, it doesn't, I don't think it's me. I don't think it's the second time through is going to be as good. Yeah. That's why I, so I've spent 80 hours in Zelda and I've only, I've only been to half the space in the world. And I, and I've spent a lot of time in the spaces I've been at. So I have like 60 plus shrines, but only half the map discovered. Um, so I just like tried to take as much time as I can to explore every little last inch of, of what I could. Uh, but hard mode does sound cool like each enemy is gonna be harder than they were they're like the color great level up and they yeah. regain health so i it probably makes combat totally different more maybe like dark souls like where i don't know how it's gonna maybe you're more careful about going into any any individual combat scenario or think about you maybe plan more or something maybe yeah i like the combat i mean it could make it this could even make it that that's next step better there's also new uh, new suits and there's a korok mask that lets you find korok seeds better yeah, I like. I'm more interested in the Korok seeds as like like to look back just to see how insane they were because that doesn't make sense to me having 900 Korok seeds. I still couldn't that. believe it. Like I have like 120 found. I'm like, I don't know how you, I have like 200 seeds and I've yet know. to. I've only half discovered. I don't know. That. There has to be there. Ha like I mean that's. I, I love that about the game. Um, like, I think that's amazing that they did that. But I also remember at a certain point, like, inventory space made the game worse to me. Was you got more inventory space? Yeah, you like the constraint. You had you always had weapons. So you want you want those constraints. You want something closer to Dark Souls, where you are sort of fighting for your survival. You would love battlegrounds because that's what I is. mean. <laughs> I mean, maybe, but you like, can only hold two guns in any time. <laughs> you only have so much ammo. You only have so much healing items. Can but, you pick like, up the scope. 
hope or do you pick up this health pack? I spent like the first half of Zelda hating how constrained the inventory was uh, <laughs> like when you ran into it. And then at the later point, you have all of these weapons and you can do whatever you want, which is also great. The game feels like a, a seesaw. Oh, you're like never... The, the balance is... I shouldn't say that because like the balance in the game is amazing for the first while of it. But I think uh, I think I was really disappointed after the the power up after the first divine beast. It um, it's a little it's cheating. It's you can, like too you can, much. You can turn off that power. Yeah, I never did, but you can turn it off so it doesn't doesn't do anything or it doesn't act. I don't activate. know. One day, one day when I'm an old man, I will be able to fully articulate what I wanted more out of this Zelda. Even though I feel like this is probably my favorite Zelda I've ever played. Yeah. Well, I haven't beat it, so I can't say that. But 80 hours in, I'm, I still love that game. Yeah, I mean, like you don't need to beat it to say like that. that's a solid, solid game. What they've done with the concept of climbing and how you move around is amazing. It's totally changed the way I look at games. And it's, it's nice that Battlegrounds isn't a game that restricts your movement. But if I did play a game where you're like, oh, there's this hill and I can't go around, fuck this game. Yeah. So in Skyrim... I played, like, I explored the entire map. I played just enough of the main storyline to uh, get up to the top of the mountain where the dragon is. Um, So, you know, you got your voices. And I sat up there with the dragon for 30 minutes, and then I quit the game and never went back. That was the end of the game, as far as that I'm concerned. That was your concerned. narrative. And, uh, and, like, Zelda delivered a better experience of that and still had a dragon on top of a mountain for me. <laughs> yeah, that game is special. Anyways. The, I, I'm curious what the second DLC pack is going to be. There is a landmass that's north of the map. I really do hope that they introduce a whole yeah. There's also one mass. out west. Okay. Two. Yeah. Um, they, you know, I, I've been thinking about it, and the, there's been one thing that I've wanted. And it's like after doing the Divine Beast dungeon, it's like thinking back to playing some of the older ones and having your your larger dungeons with like four different floors and you have to unlock all these different rooms. Like I want some, which is though I'm led to believe I haven't been to the castle. That's what the castle is. Like more of that, like have some of these huge big dungeons where you have to unlock all these rooms and do puzzles and things like, like, yeah, we're doing all these independent puzzles, but like a nice big dungeon or two would, I would really be really I satisfying. totally feel the same way. Yeah. This, the dungeons were almost always my favorite parts of the Zelda games that I played. Well, I love the water temple in like yeah. Ocarina of Time. People hated that one, but I love that one because it was complicated and it was hard and it took me a while to figure and it out. As much as I like the Divine Beasts, they were too small. Yeah. yeah. They're very tiny. They're yeah. very tiny. They're more like bigger shrines than they are proper dungeons and yeah, there are a few shrines that are ridiculous there is i think two or three shrines that are in, actually incredibly long okay i haven't reached those. um there's one in particular it's some type of power quests or, or power you know power checker it, it's supposed to be it's it'll probably take you like half an hour or something like that like it's actually a very long one that's closer to a dungeon yeah I, that that was with all having all our mechanics and everything that they put into this game to make it so much fun to play to do a nice big sprawling dungeon with mini bosses and bigger bosses like that was something i left was left craving that i didn't get i uh i was really sad about uh the little dark island in zelda i cheated you cheated? I talked to you about this. I cheated. Oh. Adam, have you have you discovered this area? Oh, the island where you start with nothing? No. no. That's the, a great the, island. This is wonderful, but the island that's completely black, so you need, like, fire to see. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 
Um, I mean, is it an island? I thought it was just like it's it's, it's surrounded by island. water. Yeah, and oh, like island? a swamp. I thought it was like a forest. I I was sad because I flew into it and I was like right near the center. Same. I, I flew. Like, I walked in from one of the side entrances and had to do the whole thing. I jumped yeah. from the mountain from like where uh, I did it the way they intended. I guess. I also had like the like the the crazy flame wand that shot three of them instead of like the flame wand you get at any of the entrances. So it was just like, oh okay. Like I just walk here and I fight this guy. Like that was so sad because uh, I ran out. I my fire went out, so I was actually pulling out a fire arrow and just holding it at the ready so I could walk oh, around nice. with my fire arrow, looking around. But at one point, it it was like yeah, I kept running out of light and it was. I had a good. I enjoyed it. I kind of tried to do the right thing exiting, but yeah, I, I'm with you. I really fucked that up for myself. But hey, the game lets you fuck that up. That's what's wonderful yeah, about it. I I just wish there like that was a like that in the salamander part. Where the, it was the, really dark. dark yeah i love i love their i wish i don't know maybe there's more parts where it's dark yeah, but every the, both those parts were awesome that's kind of what i would be hoping more from the dlc than this which seems to be just kind of like some stuff that probably could have been in the original game that's the, I, the, i'm actually like not that interested in this dlc the 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 sword the trial of the sword seems interesting because you start with nothing and there's 45 rooms and you're kind of upgrading yeah. gear as you go it yeah. reminds me of was everlene island i think is the name yeah that was also probably the best like that was fun dungeon thing that the game has as far as i've seen i really like that concept so yeah as a I, bigger a thing wonderful I, like surprise in the game huge surprise i was like this is so inventive this yeah. is awesome oh well we could probably just spend the rest of the time talking about zelda but that's <laughs> we have spent way. a lot of time talking about well, zelda um well a couple of things just uh wanted to bring up the Call of Duty World of War trailer dropped like two weeks ago. You guys have any interest? In uh, Call so they're of Duty? going back to World War Two. They're going back to World War Two. I have never played a Call of Duty game. And- I, I I played Call of Duty Two of purely as multiplayer with friends, and that was an amazing split screen game. And- oh, you played on like the 360. What's that? You played it on the Xbox 360. That's where it came out. Oh, did it? Yeah. Call of Duty Two. Wow. Yeah. Um, then yeah, that's where we played it on, and and yeah, we we had hours and hours of playing that. Like Tunisia is a map that like is near and dear to my heart at this point. Uh, it it was kind of like the old days of Goldeneye. So that's like what it felt like putting the flag up or a towel up to like do proper split screen team two v two. And then when Call of Duty Modern Warfare came out, we all got that and like played online together like for nine months straight. Like it was amazing. So like like Call of Duty is near dear to my heart but like as soon as the second or like call of duty 3 came out or whatever it was a different developer and a lot of people hated it yeah it was just over and i remember us trying to get back into call of duty modern warfare 2 and i was like oh you know this is a fun campaign like oh it didn't and then like the multiplayer just was way too arcadey maybe i've roasted into glasses but like it just we played for about a month and then i was like whatever like i'm done with this series for the rest of my life i uh, never played modern warfare 2 but i loved call of duty 4 modern warfare and I played uh, Hardcore Seek and Destroy. It was the game mode I love to play, which was yeah. basically Counter-Strike where you have to defuse a bomb or set a bomb. And because it was hardcore, you had no iron sight or you had no HUD and it was a lot slower. And, and that's the mode fast. I love. And you die faster. And those are the modes I loved. Yeah. I don't like... I, I've played the other Call of Duty games. And I've enjoyed them. I'm definitely a fan of the slower, more methodical gameplay, more so than like what Modern Warfare 2 is where you're running around, stabbing people and jumping around like an idiot. 
Yeah, did any of you guys play Titanfall? I yeah. bought Titanfall 2 and I played the single player, which was amazing. Had some really awesome story moments, but I never played online. So, uh, I mean, because I know that Titanfall is like the old Infinity Ward people. Mm -hmm. If I were to play a first-person shooter again like that, that is where it seems like it's like like a pretty fun, crazy uh, single mo player mode and then also like a good uh, multiplayer. I, that's a game that didn't sell very well, people didn't play, but I've heard the best things about multiplayer. The single player in itself is worth a $60 price tag. It does some really fucking cool things yeah. and it has a really cool movement system where you like jump on walls, you yeah. double yeah. jump. It's And the Titan stuff is pretty cool too, but the movement mechanic and this one specific thing that happens in one specific level that I won't mention is, is my- is I've missed a lot of these first but like i never was it playing any of the original like my first battlefield game was battlefield bad company 2 i never played any of them but like back in the day it was always for me counter-strike i i mean i played so much counter-strike i was playing counter-strike when it came out as a mod on half-life and then just was played that off and on for years and then medal of honor medal of honor allied assault um me and a bunch of friends who worked at the computer repair shop picked that up and we'd spend our summer when there wasn't much going on just playing in the shop do you know that that was infinity ward before that was infinity ward I did not. yeah those guys left they were that's what, that was an EA company. I was like, I can't remember the names, like 1384 or something. They left and they formed Infinity Ward, and their first game was Call of Duty for the PC. Uh, and I love, I never, I think I pirated the first few Call of Duty games. I never really got to play online, but Ford was great. Oh, I totally forgot. I, I, you know, I'm not gonna forget this time. I played a game. I played a game that I wanted to talk about. I played Abzu. You mentioned it. I mentioned it, yeah. So I, I played and I beat it. Um, do you guys know anything about it? No. So Abzu, have you guys played Journey? I know Adam has. Yeah. Have, have you played I have, Journey? Or have no, I didn't, but I read enough about it to feel like I played it. Yeah, maybe. I don't know if reading about it really gives you the experience of playing it. I, I think people wrote enough essays about the, the experience of gaming that... All right, anyways. Yeah, Abzu is Journey, but you're swimming underwater. Oh, okay. It's a, you, you, there's no words told to you. It's in, similar to inside in some ways. You're just swimming around. You don't really know what you're doing. And you know, the game doesn't give you many options. So you sort of figure out the way to progress through the worlds. It's beautiful. It's a very pretty game. There's a lot of fish in the water. There's moments where you're surrounded by hundreds and hundreds of fish. Is it relaxing? It's, yeah, it's a relaxing experience. It's never, you never really die. There's, it takes you on an emotional journey and it tries to give you an emotional journey without saying anything, just purely from visuals and from sound. And it does a pretty good job of that, but it follows the journey. Is it multiplayer? Like, no, it's just a sing. no. Journey is a game. This is, the concept of journey is you're a character that has some very basic interactions with the world and you move from place to place and it's all environmental storytelling. And this is that game underwater. Okay. Um, basically, there's like hieroglyphics that explain some of the universe or the world to you. There's uh, a story arc where things kind of get dark at some point, and then there's like a, and then there's the, the, there's you trying to overcome the thing that's kind of dark. Uh, so yeah, it's Journey underwater. I wish it wasn't so similar to Journey. Uh, if it sort of followed a different path, I think I might have enjoyed it more. Though there is a moment at the end of the game that is absolutely amazing. And I was like, this is the most fun I've had swimming in water ever. <laughs> All right. And you make you make friends with a shark and that shark is the best. I love that shark. <laughs> I love that shark so much. I, I bought it for like six bucks. Yeah, for six bucks, absolutely. If I hadn't played Journey, I would have. I think I would have loved this game a lot more. But Journey, so this game doesn't have a multiplayer component where Journey did. And in Journey, there were moments where like 
so in Journey and random moments in the game, you'll find another character in this world with you, and the only communication you have is these beeps and boops you make. And you like create a language, you communicate with each other, going beep 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 boop 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 beep beep, and you like create a, a bond with somebody. And at some points, they just disappear, and you're like, I just lost my friend, and they're kind of sad. Uh-huh. And I, that's this game does not have that me- mechanism or me- mechanic, and I think it's it's not as good without it. Having a person there does kind of change things. It's it's a very single player game. You don't ever have to interact with anyone. They can't help you in any way. They're just just moving around this environment with you but you sort of get to interact with them and it's great uh i have i did try to play quake champions fucking bethesda has its own launcher fuck them i'm tired of everybody having their own launcher then i tried to so amazon uh owns twitch and if you have an amazon prime account twitch uh gives you a prime account associated with your amazon account and you get a free game a month now oh, are you uh, serious yeah so the one of the other games I played, I, I haven't played enough to really talk about it, is um, Kentucky Route Zero. Oh yeah, that, those are Chicago game developers. Oh really? I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. I, I played that. I've only played the first of it, and then I bought like you, you played the first act. The first act. Okay, I haven't finished the first act. That's um, a weird game. It's a weird game. The music is amazing. The design is amazing. The animation is amazing. The, the writing oh. is amazing. So the the house where the girl we give the girl the TV and the way like the back wall opens up that is so and the horses and the barn you're like this is the way that they just transition into that barn was like this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen with this 2D. 3D polygon 2D art. I can't even explain the art. Yeah, it. Um, I. I mean, that is that is a class of game that like I feel like, you know, like Journey is kind of like oh we can tell these stories. You can have these ex- like through experience and mm-hmm. stuff. And I think that like Kentucky Route Zero was in one of the early games that was like we can give you the experience of playing like a game very slowly and methodically but also like a really deep and beautiful narrative yeah i mean i i haven't played any of the other acts but like i played act one and i was just kind of like holy cow like i didn't know a game could be like this oh i need to finish it i just got to the bait shop and i just put my hand in all three tanks and the third tank is awesome. That moment right there is super great, and the way it transitions. I guess I'm gonna have to check this. It's out. all told via text. That whole yeah. section is told via just text. You're just reading text on the screen, so, and it's just really like well done. What's this about free games? So if you have an Amazon Prime account, Amazon Prime, you get uh, a Twitch Prime account. You link your Twitch account with your Amazon account, and you get one free game a month. Uh, do you have to pay for a Twitch Prime account too? No, this is free to you as an Amazon Prime user. Ooh. Amazon Prime is pretty great. You get Amazon. I, I mean, Pro, I already Amazon have Amazon Music. Prime, which is why I'm like, ooh, okay, <laughs> free stuff. But you have to download another launcher, and the launcher is very similar to Discord or Slack, where it's like a you know you create chats and you create chat rooms, and they're they're uh, they're they're not perpetual. They're um, they're they they have state. There's a stateful chat room. What what are people talking about? Like describing uh, Slack now, where it's basically like a wrapper around a browser or something like. Is that? it a bra- It has a lot of like plugins because it, like it's ever- Hangouts with like. Here's the nice thing about Slack: if in Hangouts, if you link a, a GIF. If you just link it, nothing happens. In Slack, it will translate that GIF and play the GIF inside the chat room. If you link an article, it will give you like a timer, like, oh, this article will take you 20 minutes to read. Uh, Versus like Hangout has none of those features. You can then create channels within a server. You can have direct messages to people. Um, So it's just, it's like IRC meets Hangouts meets your standard IM client. And actually, uh, Google has announced that Hangouts is gonna be more Slack-like. But everyone seems to be copying that, that, the the things that Slack does well. So Twitch does it, Discord does it, this does it. We have we have reader mail. So first mail comes from a Daniel Hooden from Chicago who writes 
Hey Shy Guys, have you heard of the upcoming MMO Pathion? The game intends to bring back some of the classic mechanisms from the early days of MMOs that made the games more challenging and social. I've backed the game and plan to try it out when the game when it reaches beta later this year or more likely early next year. Danny. So, have you guys heard of this game, Pathion? No. I have, but I can't remember a goddamn thing. So I haven't heard about it either, nor did I do any research to figure out what it was, but I assume it's more akin to a game like um, the big first MMO. Ever, EverQuest. No, before EverQuest. Oh, Ultima Online. Ultima Online, yeah. That's, that was the first thing that popped in my mind. Yeah. Something more like Which, Ultima. Have you played? I played Ultima. Well, my friend... When I first was getting on the internet, which by the way, I was getting on the internet by uh, the fact that I was taking college classes and I could dial into my college internet and I was doing so without my parents' knowledge. I was like muffling my dial-up noise and everything so I could dial into the internet. I eventually got caught by tying up the phone line when somebody was trying to call. But uh, anyway, my friend had an Ultima Online account and so when he wasn't playing, I would sign into his account and that game was, it was hard. Like you had to work really hard to level up your skills and everything, but it was... It was really fun and different. Yeah, if we had more time, I would uh, I would chat to you guys about this web novel I'm reading, which is a I don't know how many pages. I, I've read 256 chapters of this, Holy but each, each chapter is probably only the equivalent of like a couple pages in a, a a regular book. But it's about a pro gamer in an MMO scene who like like started when the game started 10 years ago and was like the top guy for years in the pro scene and then like kind of fell off over the years and then his company like the pro team forced him to retire kind of manipulatively um and he started playing the game again when they opened a new server and it's all about him just like crushing everybody and doing something like totally different and new and like manipulating everyone else and him just like basically playing the game for 12 hours straight and it's super addictive and if it was I love MMOs. Like I, I saw that the the follow up question to this is, do you have time? And the answer is no. Yeah. So that um, was my follow up question, which is, do you have time for this kind of game? And yeah, I I don't. The nice thing about again, I'm gonna go back to Battlegrounds because that's the thing I'm playing right now a lot is because it's a 30 minute commitment. I can fit it into my life. Can't I? Cannot. I fit did enjoy my time back playing WoW when it yeah. came out. It's like, but having to commit an eight hour block to just throw my face at a freaking new WoW's commitment. I, I want a commitment right now from you guys. When we're all 85 years old and retired, fingers crossed, fingers crossed, retirement we get homes to are going to be the best fucking thing ever. Like, like it's just going to be a fucking land party right? <laughs> until I die. Like I'll be like, it doesn't matter if I die tonight, cause we're going to have the best time being old people. Cause old people now are like, let's watch some TV and eat stupid food. We're going to be just like I eaten. Well, maybe we won't be eating Cheetos and drinking Mountain Dew, but we will be video gaming our goddamn asses. I, I really so hope hot. Uh, Cheeto Flaming Hots are still a thing when I'm 85 years old. I'm, I'm just waiting for, like, 85 is going to be the resurgence of, of the MMO. I sure, I sure hope so. That would be really interesting if it's, if it like, the baby boomers of MMOs. It's just, like... That we're gonna like we're gonna retreat like cut me off from life support when I die like doesn't matter I'm gonna play this game until until the end. <laughs> you know we could just try to get fired from work. Hopefully get non competed and then we don't have to work for some period of time and but, then we just play like, a bunch of MMOs but together. But like we're still in the prime of our life when it's like time to travel, yeah. time to like do things. Like fine. Like I, I, like I agree. Like it'd be nice to have nine months off and like go into a video game, but it it wouldn't be the same as like when you're like. I 
I literally have nothing to do, so I might as well just become really good, except for your actions per minute would probably drop a lot when you're 85, so that might be a problem. <laughs> hey, it doesn't matter. MMOs don't have to be. Hey, they're not as competitive. Especially think as how many years ahead of you, though, you'll probably be able to lay there barely doing anything and just control it all with your brain. <laughs> the, that, that, sounds, that would make it easier. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like the plan. Zach, you recently were playing WoW. WoW is not a big commitment. What did, what, do you, do you want to play more MMOs? Um, I mean, I come back to WoW maybe maybe once a year, once every two years type of thing. But that's a MMO for babies, right? Compared to like Ultima Online? Uh, I mean, at this point, WoW has become a streamlined, like just drill it right into your veins. Play any way you want and you'll get good enough because like everything is given out like to you however you want it to be. Like there's... Like, the competitive side of WoW has been, like, obfuscated and, like, hidden so that all of, like, the people who are shitty at video games, which is most people, <laughs> and I, I would even say me, or, like, people who don't want to challenge, people who just want to sign on and play a game really relax, they can, they can play all of World of Warcraft like that and not miss out on anything, which on one side is an amazing development and like kudos to Blizzard for always making these games that like hits like a broad market appeal. But yes, the magic of old uh, MMOs is gone. I don't know if that's because of who we are now or like the time we had then. There to, are to games that do still do. I mean, I think like Eve Online is an MMO where you have a lot of players control that universe and play that. Yeah. Control I feel what like happened. Eve is even WoW. Are I don't think you can compare the two. Yeah. I think it's closer <laughs> to Ultima Online, where the players control almost everything, versus yeah. something like WoW, which is very structured and you can only do kind of the things that let the game the game lets you do. There's no like narrative that's coming through because of player action, or rarely is there. I don't. Well, you can't really affect the world. The world is all instance now, and yeah. I mean, I don't know that that's a problem in and of itself. It's not. But though, if EverQuest next had come out, like that looks. Yeah, you could have built that supposed to be like deformable worlds and every like. Yeah, I mean that looked real good. That looks like uh, I mean clearly they weren't able to actually develop a game otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> it was like voxel base. It was yeah. It very much felt like it was inspired by Minecraft. I, I was excited about. I mean, that. it was in, it was in the day when yeah everybody was inspired by Minecraft, so everybody was doing the open world deformable build of your things, and we got some good stuff like Terraria and some a few other games that I think were, were the highlights of what came out of the Minecraft. I think Terraria was the Boom, Minecraft for. Yeah. What? The, the Terrier was probably the highlight for a lot of people. Or maybe like Rust or some of these like survival uh, builder games. The builder game, and not all of them are, you know, fully deformable and stuff like that. Yeah, there was lots of good stuff that came out of it. and But then there was also a lot of people just trying to piggyback on the fame of that. And a lot of those sucked. Uh, so we have another question. Um, this comes from Anna. She's, uh, and this is, this is not, not verbatim, but uh, the question basically says, for somebody that doesn't know... A programming language what do you think is a great first programming language to learn uh well as the person who can program the least out of the three of us i'm just gonna go with python because that's like what everyone says and honestly it made some sense to me um i've looked at ruby never touch ruby if you don't know programming yeah uh, you have to have some idea of basics uh never touch Perl if you if you are just getting into programming but like 
Python seems to be pretty straightforward. I've heard that, like, you know, if you understand C sharp, you're going to understand a lot of languages because of the the nature of it. Or, or sorry, you know, C++. Any, any language you know, you, you know all of them in some way, at least. Yeah. The only thing is, like, with C, you're doing memory management on your own, and you're dealing with pointers. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot more complex. I think, yeah. like, if you get into any of the basic scripting languages, the things is just that anybody needs to learn to learn a programming language is learning your... You know, Boolean logic, your if-then statements, your while statements, your for each, your looping, your um, what a hash versus an array versus just a regular variable is. You know, every different language is going to be slightly different malleable. Like if you're in Perl, you don't need to say that this is an integer or this is a float or that this is a string. You can just shove in whatever you want into a variable. Arrays and hashes do have to be declared differently. Um, and then something like Ruby where you just shove whatever it is, you know, a variable is literally just an identifier and you shove whatever the hell you want in, into it. But then you also at the same time verse is you can take a string in Perl that is a set of numbers and you can treat it as a number and it acts exactly like if it was for that number, which you can't do in Ruby. Ruby has no implicit class or casting. So if I take a string of numbers and I try to treat it as an integer, it would be like, this isn't an integer. What are you trying to do with this? So there's like, and then with each language, you get all the little syntactical differences. Yeah. And so that's like, when you pick a language is, for anyone who knows our program, when you pick a, you're learning a new language, it's just learning all the little syntactical things about it. Like learning Python is like, oh, well now I have to deal about white space. And right. are you using brackets around your if and while loops? Or are you just using it like Ruby where you have if and end and things like this? So there's all the little, just those little differences, but the core of any learning language programming is really just learning all the basics of the logic and how to right. build out a program and it's, it's like anything it's like once you have all the basic tools then you can really do anything you just because you know it's like i know what i want to do and i know what tools i need to do it i just have to go look up what words i need to use exactly to do yeah. and so you, you you have all that foundation to be able to like i can build anything i want to build i just have to maybe look up how to do something as opposed to being like i want to build this and I have no fucking clue how to do it I, I think your answer of Python is a pretty good one. I think Python is an easy language to learn because it's uh, white space. It's white. There's a term for it, but white space determines like indentation and the and and, and nesting. It's a very clean language. Uh, it's a very popular language. You don't have to. You have to deal with you know in, you know indicating that your variable is an integer or it just kind of everything's an object and it will deal with them as needed. I think I think Java is still a pretty big language and it's fairly easy to learn because you are not dealing with with memory. You do have to you know this is my int. This is but it's also nice when you you learn a language and you have to learn what an int is, what a string is, what a car is, what a you know what a float is, what a boolean is. I don't think you can go wrong with any language because like Adam said, you once you learn one, you kind of learn the other. Right. Like if you learn with Bash, fuck it, learn with Bash. Like that, they'll get you somewhere. I think oh, it was, no, Java was my first language. Java was the first language I learned, but I, I spent a lot of time in Bash and there's things I've learned in Bash that I've now taken into other languages as well. My first programming language, I don't even know what it's called. It was back in elementary school and we were programming a little pointer and you could like draw things and make oh, me. Like I don't I don't I don't know remember and this was back on your your green screen, you know, big ass floppy thing, you know, computers and that was when I was real young. But other than that it was like programming like I remember high school programming my graphing calculator and making programs on there and things like that. So I learned my basics in all those different ones. But my first major programming language, I learned some C++ and then in one class and completely forgot all of it. Yeah. And then in school, they taught us Java. Java was yeah. Java was a big we language. Doing. And then just near the very end, I started. I took a class on Perl and picked up Perl and started doing work for a professor on Perl. And oh, I don't uh, recommend Perl. You're, you're one of those carrots and parentheses <laughs> to, to at sign carrot again. 
there Perl. I mean, there are modules for Perl, but if you're kind of dealing with the base language, it's just Perl archaic. looks like magic. Perl looks literally like somebody is doing some kind of magic that you're not allowed to know about. But whereas, like any of the other languages, seem like you can start to parse out what they're doing. Yeah, we use a lot of Perl at work. Uh, there's a lot of older stuff that's written in Perl. And there's a lot of newer stuff written in Python and making that transition. And I, there's also a lot of stuff that's written in uh, Corn Shell and then Bash and then and R as a language. So when you're jumping between five languages fairly regularly, it fucking sucks. That sounds and like I, it. And I've spent a lot of time writing Perl recently and it's just like, I just want to go to Python because Python is such a better language for in the, if you wanted to run a command inside of Perl without using modules and you want to get your return code your standard in your sta- or you want to get standard out standard error and your return code it's kind of stupid how difficult that is yeah you're right that is very difficult to do that like there are modules that make it easier for you yeah. but fucking process inside of python just makes it a breeze yeah. and it's just like little things like that that make perl a diff- more difficult language to learn and for me like i just don't know all the syntactical things about python because i've never really just written in python because i know perl so it's like if i just need to quickly write something in yeah quick and dirty you write what you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you, 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 whatever tool, whatever weapon you use to do whatever, whatever gets the work done, gets the job done, gets the job done. Oh, and after learning Ruby and Ruby on Rails, I never want to touch PHP again. <laughs> yeah. Fuck PHP. Uh, Python and Django. Django is pretty good as well. It's a framework. Frame work yeah so that i guess that answers that question uh, i guess we should call it it's pretty late yes. this is good this is a good podcast zach yeah. it was wonderful having you thank on. you for joining us hey zach. it was thanks to thanks to both of you for having me uh if people were wanted to reach out to you anyway are you are you online in any way twitter anything? i am as hidden as you can be while being on one social network okay well, uh, we all know Adam doesn't have any uh, internet presence. Uh, I don't outside of Twitter. You can reach out to me. I'm uh, Zig6 on Twitter. And if you want to reach out to us, email us at questions at shyguyspodcast.com or go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash shyguyspodcast or listen to these episodes on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash shyguyspodcast <laughs> or we're also on Twitter uh, twitter.com slash shyguyspodcast uh, and with that have hey, a wonderful have a good night you too Zach <laughs>